There's a lot of beeping in Tokyo. Beeps from the security checkpoints and the temperature checks. Beeps from the machines that elevate this temporary city of bleachers and team areas. And most of us don't think twice about the virtual birdsong of digital chirps around us. But for some athletes, that's the sound of their most ambitious dreams coming true. A sign that the time has come to be beeping awesome. You gotta wait, 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 and then you hear the beeps and you go. Taekwondo is a very tactical kind of sport. It's electronic, it's different. From NBC Sports, this is The Podium, a podcast about the Tokyo Olympic Games. Coming to you daily during the Games, we'll bring you the stories shaping the greatest athletic competition in all the world, held in extraordinary times. This podcast is presented by Nordatrack from iFit. BMX Racing from the United States of America. Connor, we're here at the Ariake Urban Sports Park standing on the finish line uh, of a bunch of banks and, and rollers. What's this track like compared to the one you won gold on in Rio? The track's awesome. Um, this is the diff- it's a different builder than the last three Olympics, so it's definitely got a little bit of a different flavor. Um, I would say this is going to be the longest one that we've had so far. Uh, and it's also the only one that doesn't have any elevation change. It's on a flat plane. Um, but with that being said, it's still very fast. Uh, it's technical. It's difficult. And I think it's going to be a great racetrack overall. It is very fast. That speed. Explain to us how you create it in BMX. Yeah, so there's two ways to go faster uh, in BMX racing. One is pedaling, obviously. And then the other one is uh, what we call pumping, uh, which is basically using the jumps to pick up speed. So every time you go up or down, you can move your body uh, in conjunction with the shape of the track to actually gain speed. Um, there, you, know, you can actually gain speed and go faster without even pedaling if you do it properly. Um, so it's a combination of being able to pedal fast and pedal hard, uh, as well as timing and execution of the pumping on the jumps. Connor, I hesitate to even ask you this question, but I've always wondered what BMX stood for. Uh, BMX stands for Bicycle Motocross. Uh, it's a sport that was started in Southern California in the 1970s uh, by kids who would watch their favorite motorcycle racers, motocross, and then they would kind of go make little makeshift tracks on their bikes and uh, do their own kind of mimicking the motocross racing. And it kind of took off and became a sport of its own. Um, And yeah, fast forward 50 years and we're here at the Olympics. Yeah, we are here defending a gold medal in your case, right? What makes a great or even an Olympic champion BMX racer? Uh, I've always equated BMX racing... um, to a number of different sports. Uh, I may be biased in saying this, but I think BMX is one of the hardest sports to master because you have to be good at so many different things. So we need the explosiveness off the start of a 100-meter sprinter. Um, You need the technicality, the timing, and the rhythm of a gymnast. You know, we're jumping 50 feet and having to land on a a very specific spot on a bicycle. Simultaneously, there's seven other athletes around you. you have to have the endurance of a 400-meter sprinter because our races are 40 seconds long. We don't pace, we just go. And you do upwards, you know, World Cups, World Championships, seven races in a day. 
here at the Olympics, it's uh, three or four a day. Um, and then you have to have the mentality of a, of a boxer or an MMA fighter because every time you're out there, you can get hurt and it's dangerous and you do fall, you do get hurt and you got to get right back up and go again. So uh, you need to be good at a lot of different things. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, we can hear that gate at the top of the starting bank. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the, the gate is uh, sized for eight athletes to sit on it. Uh, and then it drops the exact same time. It's just kind of a slab. It all drops the same time for the eight riders. You have a little bit of a forewarning when it's going to go down. Um, and, you know, you just start the race. It's an even start for everybody. Um, if you go early, you run into it. So there is no false starts. You kind of fall start yourself by running into it. Um, and then if you're late and the athletes around you are on time with the gate, then you could be shut out the back even before the race gets going. Um, so starts are definitely important. Timing is key. And then your position of where you are on the starting line is based on the uh, lap time that your previous run. But what's the voice saying and what are those beeps about? So there's a cadence that is the same every single time. It says, okay, riders, random start. Riders ready, watch the gate. And then from there, there's a zero to 2.5 second window of when the gate's going to go down. So it's within a 2.5 second window. And there are four beeps as the gate's going down to give you just that little bit of forewarning that you can know it's going down. And that's to keep people from... Uh, being able to like pull back and kind of charge it knowing if it's going to go down the same every single time. You've got to wait, 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 and then you hear the beeps and you go. And you have to be explosive in your start off the gate. How important is that, Connor? Starts are definitely one of the most important things. Um, it's a lot easier to win a race from the front. You know, like I was saying, it's 40 second races. So, uh, you know, the first straightaway is about eight to 10 seconds long. And if you can round the first corner in the lead, which is what we call the whole shot, it's a lot easier to hang on than it is to work your way through a number of athletes uh, in a 30-second span. Um, you know, I don't know statistics exactly, but I would ballpark about 75% of races are won by the rider who hits the first corner first. Um, so it's definitely an advantage. I think at the Olympics, only uh, one of the six finals that we've had in the men's and the women's was won by somebody who did not get the whole shot. So that just goes to show you just how important the whole shot is. So you're waiting for those all-important beeps and the gate drops. There's so much you're thinking about. You're fully committed. You're clipped into the pedals, literally locked into the moment. What are those like? Yeah, so most of us probably started riding them when we were 8, 9, 10. Uh, the advantage, obviously, you're hooked up to your bike, so you can have better control. You have four points that you can pull from, you know, your hands and your feet, versus if you have flat pedals, you can pull with your hands and your feet are kind of just along for the ride. Um, and then obviously when we're pedaling at these high speeds, you know, upwards of 220 RPMs at some of the high speed points of the track, being clipped in helps you from slipping a pedal and losing a pedal. Yikes, you wouldn't want that. It could earn you a trip to a room with other kind of beeps. Evelyn, your blood product is on the unit, Evelyn. What do you want people to think about when they tune in to watch and listen for the telltale four beeps of Olympic BMX racing? Um, you know, I just think that it's one of the, I'm biased again, but it's one of the most exciting ra uh, racing sports at the Olympics. If you're on the starting line, you have a shot. Everybody's got a chance, you know, and it's not like swimming or track and field where everybody's in their own lane. It's a full contact sport. Um, there's a mechanical element. You know, we have to decide what gear we want to ride, how high or far or fo forward or back we want our handlebars, what tires we want to run. Like it's, there's so many elements that go into it. And, um, you know, when things line up and, and, and somebody's going to win, it's, it's really amazing to watch it unfold. And when they see the number 11 of Connor Fields on the gate? You know, this is my third games. Um, 
and I just hope that they see the effort and uh, you know, just giving everything I have out there for um, for the sport and, and for the U.S. This is the sound of fencing. We know well that the beep means someone's saber made contact with a magnetic vest. But while fencing's categories are named after different weapons, the same idea is found in surprisingly a sport whose name loosely translates to the way of the hand and the foot. Taekwondo, featherweight competition, Anastasia Zulatich, 18 years old, from Largo, Florida, winning gold, the first American woman to win Olympic gold in that sport. Anastasia Zulatich, I do Taekwondo, and I just won the Olympic gold medal. And I'm sure it's awesome to say it. Congratulations. You just did something that no American woman has ever done. When you think back, what was the motivator? I mean, I came here and I wasn't feeling like I was at the Olympics just because I've been waiting so long to compete here. And I guess I didn't do my research. So I, when people start telling me that, I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? But I did my research and you're right. <laughs> it's pretty surreal. It's unbelievable, honestly. Uh, yeah, and as much as you may not have felt like you were at the Olympics, there's definitely a buzz, wouldn't you say, around martial arts in Japan and across Asia for that matter. Have you ever competed in Japan before? I have. Actually, I competed in Chiba at a Grand Prix. Uh, unfortunately, I lost my first fight. I was having a very bad day, but it was in Japan, so I got my little payback. <laughs> little? Uh, I'd say an Olympic gold medal is more than just a little payback. Do you feel the intensity with which people follow and maybe participate in combat sports and martial arts when you're in Asia? I mean, God, it's super big in Asia, right? It's a it's Taekwondo. Everybody knows about it here. So to be able to have an Olympics here and compete in my sport, it's pretty, pretty amazing. How does it compare to the environment in the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I never really trained at a professional environment. So having a professional coach come and kind of put together a team and even though Taekwondo is not big in the U.S. and you kind of just walk out and it's not like you see those gymnasts and everybody's like, oh my God, I can have a picture with you and it's gymnastics. Even though it's not a very big sport, I was hoping that my medal kind of changes that and kind of brings attention to Taekwondo for the U.S. So awesome. hopefully one day I'll walk out and people will be like, oh, my God, that's Taekwondo. I'll be like, yes. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be me, just my sport. It is your sport today. You talk about the differences in the Olympic martial arts. What makes Taekwondo different than, I don't know, the very traditional karate? I think it just Taekwondo is a very tactical kind of sport, it's electronic, it's different, and it's a lot more physical and taxing on your body, but I've never done those sports, like I said, and each athlete probably goes through the same thing as we do. So it's just an electronic sport, and the refs are the only scoring punches and giving penalties, so. I'm hung up on the word electronic to find that in this sense. We use an electronic system, chest pads and head guards. Um, we have magnets in our socks. And you connect those magnets to the chest pad and there's a certain threshold you hit on the chest pad and you score points that way. Two for the body, three for head. If it's a spin kick to the body, it's four. Spin kick heights, five. And a punch is one. That is scored by the judges. Does the power input help your score? 
I mean, you weigh just over 100 pounds, but it looks like you're channeling way more when you're on that mat. I mean, it's not a very powerful sport. You score by connecting the, like, the systems. So if a tap to the back could register at like 50 and you could smack them really hard and it could register a five and not even score. So it's just tactical and picking your shots and kind of being a little more persistent than it is kind of hitting as hard as you can compared to other sports, so. Uh, yeah, so it's a lot more empirical and calculated than other combat sports. Like you're either scoring that point or not and, and you know what it's worth. Does that make it more exciting until the last beep? I wonder why should people watch and participate in Taekwondo? I mean, it's just, it's a point-based sport. So you watch, somebody's up by 10 points in the first round, that's not guaranteed. People come back and they gap you at 20 points and it goes back and forth, back and forth. And it's just the adrenaline and are you gonna get disqualified? Are you gonna get knocked out? I guess it's just like the adrenaline watching them is, especially those close matches and then you go into the fourth round where it's a golden point where it's like tied. And who scores the first point? Who wins? And you bet money on one person. This random kid you've never seen before comes and wins the Olympics. <laughs> it's just, it's nothing's guaranteed in this sport. And it's just whoever has their best day, so. And you're certainly having a great one. Congratulations again. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, let us just beep you out of this interview room. Thank you so much. From the BMX track to the dreaded beep test to Taekwondo's black belts, the Olympics rely on sharp, short bursts of sound to direct even sharper bursts of human performance. Riders ready, watch the gate. Sports glory awaits those who harness them. Leave your medal after the beep. Follow the podium now on Apple Podcasts and wherever you're listening to get automatic downloads. And tune into the networks of NBC to watch it all unfold. This podcast is presented by NordaTrack from iFit.